a hundred percent of the time this turns out to be a game changer of an idea it, it, it becomes part of my business and part of my like life that i could not do without later on for instance Here is a man so humble that when his digital product was selected among hundreds to be promoted by AppSumo Marketplace, he thought they must have made a mistake. Well, they didn't, and that digital product is now the backbone of his successful business that just grossed $200,000 in revenue. Welcome back to Careers 2.0. I'm Philip, and here's Google Sheets wizard himself, Andrew Comfy. All right, let me start by uh, congratulating you. I saw on Twitter a um, couple days ago, I think, or, or, or recently, that you crossed your $200,000 mark. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Uh, total revenue, not take-home pay or anything. That total was revenue, yeah. The amount of revenue that Bettersheets universe, the Bettersheets world, uh, created and got uh, through Bettersheets. That includes all the partners... Uh, I sell my lifetime deal through AppSumo. I sell um, I sell a workshop through Maven. Mm -hmm. I sell digital products via Gumroad, and uh, what else? Yeah, and and also Stripe. It's a it's a whole ecosystem. Uh, yeah, whole universe. Yes, absolutely. But if you reach that milestone, do you? Um, and I saw that the revenue grows year to year, so it's not like stagnant or anything. It's it's just going up. Do you see yourself continuing like for the years to come or as a sort of serious entrepreneur, you're already looking for the next thing, the next thing to develop? Yeah, Buttersheets was not inevitable. Mm -hmm. It was not an idea that I thought of too much. In fact, three years ago when I started it, it was literally made in 24 hours. I uh, created a card, C-A-R-R-D landing page. I made eight Loom videos. I put four behind a paywall on Gumroad and I put four up for free for anyone to watch. And then I just launched it with a lifetime price, not thinking anything, uh, literally thinking I wanted to launch something. I was in the throes of creating a SaaS product, which after a year we didn't continue working on. Uh, and Bettersheets from that moment on for a, the first two years was a side project, was a side hustle. The way that I built it was specifically so that it would only be a side hustle. I didn't, uh, I didn't give any promises of continuing to update, except when it was like, except when I knew I could hit certain marks, uh -huh. like the effort that I put into it. I knew, okay, I'm gonna get to a hundred videos. You know, it's eight videos now. I'm adding five to ten videos a week. I know I'm gonna get to a hundred videos. But other than that, I didn't really make any promises to continue it. Uh, knowing that the price was a lifetime price. So so how does it transition from the side project to sort of full-on uh, business? This is sort of a very long story. We have time. <laughs> Again, it was not inevitable. It wasn't like I'm starting this thing and I'm going to work on it for the rest of my life. I do expect now to continue working on it for at least another seven years, if not more. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> That, that sounds like a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. And that's okay. where I'll segue into answering your question now of how did it turn into the main thing was I didn't, I don't know what else to do. I've tried everything. Yeah. And 
better sheets just kept selling better sheets kept on coming up uh people kept asking for more asking more questions and i had more answers and they just kept coming up with more ideas and more ideas and it actually sort of got easier to have more ideas uh as the years went on because i was deeper and deeper into it it has become inevitable even though it didn't start that way the thing is i have too many ideas and i didn't realize that this was sort of an entrepreneurial curse and blessing yeah. until i talked to other people like i was in a yc startup school for like a few months and i talked to someone and i was like i think i'm gonna pivot uh because i have this other idea and they're like we always everybody has a bunch of ideas like the good people the great people and that are great entrepreneurs have a hundred ideas a day because i was like oh i have like a hundred ideas a day i feel special and they're like we all do it's actually the unique people who can take either take those ideas and apply them to a single core business or it's those people who can really like shut it all out focus and work on one thing what kind of quality of your own or or uh, of the idea that you had made it stick or it was just that the revenue <laughs> that started trickling down on its own there's a few things that i did because it was a side project which mm -hmm. ended up becoming its uh Be becoming its core reason for continuing. So originally I wanted to launch in 24 hours. I wanted to launch something. And I knew like I had this base of knowledge that I wanted to transfer this knowledge to other people. And it was only after like many years and many other experimentations and other tests that I realized like, oh, if I can create and distribute all in one motion, then I'll never stop creating. Mm -hmm. It's the, I have an idea, I go create it, I edited it, then I distribute it. All those steps for me broke down my ability to, to create and distribute. But if I could get the creation and the distribution all in one motion, I just make a thing and it's, it's there, then there's no end. And so that's and that ended up being why I used Loom screencasts I was recording these looms and then I made it. I used to be a video maker and filmmaker yeah. and professionally worked in video for many years. And I just hated editing, not because it was bad, because I like I didn't not because I didn't like it, but because it just took so much time. And I was like, the kind of information that I'm trying to get across actually might be better off without the cuts, because every time that I watch a YouTube tutorial and they're like, it's a five minute tutorial. I end up like pausing it a tw 20 times and be like, what did they just do? What do we, I have to do that again. And it, I remember learning Ruby on Rails. I, I watched a four hour course and it took me 72 hours to get through. It was like three days, like yeah. nonstop. I just started it and I was typing along, but all my videos now are no edits. So it sounds bad, right? It sounds like, oh, this guy doesn't edit because he's lazy. Well, I've also made like, more than a thousand videos which not many other people can say that it's, it sounds to me like a philosophy behind mvp like minimum viable product so instead of you know wondering about production quality and, and about every single detail you you found a way to simplify the whole process both the creation and distribution and it made it easy for you to to to, to, to go on yeah and that was just a personal choice that, because i wanted to make it a side project i wanted i'm like i don't want to have the cognitive um disability 
to to add to this. I want to be able to open up my email, see a question, go make a video and distribute it right away. Um, members I, were coming on as a lifetime price. Like everybody who buy at the time, everybody who buys uh, bought better sheets, bought lifetime price. It was $30 when I started it. Now the lifetime price is 149 and that's going to keep going up and up as more videos come out, more tutorials, more tools, more templates. And then I realized like this mechanism of one membership and then everything I add to it, every single thing I add is more. It is better. It makes it better. So if I add a template, it adds to this core thing, a library. If I create a new tool, it goes into this library and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And some people that I work with or, or know who create SaaS products, that's what they do with like adding features mm -hmm. to their code. They're like the the thing it had it met a minimum required uh usage, which like you said MVP, right? But there's like a minimum required usage that it met. But every feature keeps building on that and gets better and better over time. So then it's not a matter of, do I have to continue searching for people? Do I have to continue figuring this out? No, it's figured out, but I just keep on making it 1% better every day. <laughs> you, you mentioned pricing, which is really interesting to me. And I heard you talk about it before, uh, about the membership pricing. Because of course you could have sold like each video or each product, each template for a couple bucks here and there, right? But you decided to go for higher value uh, and in exchange give lifetime access to this ever-growing database of uh, of templates. Can you tell me a little bit more behind the uh, behind the logic of that? Is it just uh, yeah. increasing the average card value basically? So so you have a person that usually could spend yeah. like 20 with you, but, but spends 100? This is totally up 180 degree difference than what people think. Uh -huh. Okay, so there's a real reason why I created a lifetime price and why it still has a lifetime price, but that price keeps going up is because when I launched it, it was April 3rd, 2020. Uh, lockdowns just started. The coronavirus was going crazy. And I read an article about recession pricing and they said, this is a very logical sort of math game in a recession when people's money is not the money is not going down but their cognitive thinking of what do i spend my money on is going up they spend people spend more time thinking about how am i spending my money so one thing is people will cancel any uh recurring payments that are unnecessary they'll cancel them then whenever they want to buy something Everybody does the math. So even if something is $5 a month, people will do the math and say that's $60 a year. Oh, I want to use this for two years. I'm going to be paying $120 for this. Non-recession pricing, people don't. most people don't do this. The article actually had this really great help. It was like, do the math for people. Don't price it at $5 a month. Do It's better to do a lifetime price, say one price, one time, and explicitly lay this out. You pay one time, never pay again. This is the amount of money you're going to spend and you'll never have to spend another dime to get this thing ever again. Um, be explicit about it. That's what they said. It's like, it helps the cognition of time of how much am I going to spend on this? What do I have to do? It makes the buying moment much, much easier. Is it 
um, also goes very much aligned with uh, Absumo uh, philosophy, right? So the, the, the lifetime deals could do a very, very big um, revenue for the companies that Is participate it? in it. Uh, was this the, the sort of the, the, the place where uh, Better Sheets took off? Yeah, so this was completely happenstance, total circumstantial, a total chance opportunity that ended up being becoming the reason why Better Sheets is so big now. I started as a lifetime price, not as a lifetime deal. And AppSumo's core feature is that they create lifetime deals for SaaS products. That's what they've done for many, many years. I mean, I bought I bought Brain FM like in 2015. I think since then I bought one thing off of AppSumo, but I was on their list. And the story goes, so I was on their list and in April of 2020, they sent out an email and said, we're going to create something called a Sumoling Spotlight. We'll put one of your products, whoever's a Sumoling, who's bought stuff from us. If you have a product, submit it. And it was a Google form. I submitted it. And then like a couple weeks later, they're like, you're a finalist. Apparently like 700 people uh, applied. I had just created better sheets like, oh week or two weeks ago, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll put this in. Um, and then before I could even answer, they were like, you've won. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. But here's like a really weird thing is in the email that they sent to me that, hey, you're a finalist. They had like other people's emails. You know how sometimes um, the threading of the Gmail yeah. gets messed up and someone else's reply will be in your email. And I was like, I think you got this wrong. I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, no, no. We want the Google Sheets thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Oh, you you got this right. Um, and then I launched on AppSumo. And it ended up becoming what's now called the AppSumo Marketplace. Now, three years later, um, or within the last three years, they've made it less of a Sumoling spotlight and more of a marketplace and a whole other business op uh, operation for them. And yeah, I think I sold seven within like two weeks. And then I think 13 sales I had around about 30 days later. But then the first month of AppSumo, I sold like, oh no, not the first month, the first two or three days, I sold like 100 on AppSumo. Um, what's interesting to me is who is your audience? So uh, because everyone can use Google Sheets and everyone does, right? So, so so many different usages, so many different people. How do you decide who you create for? You somehow some gauge the market, to, uh, <laughs> what's the next product is, or you have your own ideas who you would like uh, to help most? Even though there's 2 billion people that use Google Sheets, there is still a much, 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 much tinier, more specific segment of people who will buy a course. And then there's even like a different audience who is going to buy templates. There's even a different audience who's going to buy tools. Uh, and so it is very hard actually to figure out what to do next. If, if you sort of take it as like a fire hose, if you say, mm -hmm. okay, there's a lot of people here. Um, if you do, there's so many different ways to sort of break down a market into different pieces. Exactly. I've fair. I've, I've been fairly lucky that AppSumo buyers are purchase intent. There is a case to be made if you're going into the sort of uh, spreadsheet tutorial world or you want to tutor on anything. You want to make video videos a sellable library about anything in the world. It could be Zapier, it could be software, it could be hardware, it could be DJing, it could be surfing, whatever it is. There is a 
there is a pull and there's like an idea like, okay, I'm going to make something for everyone. But you really have to make a clear and conscious decision to find the people who are spending money. That, like above all anything else, it's like you have to take that big, big, big chunk of the market that you know, okay, people are surfing. Well, there's a smaller segment of people who are like, I'm going to buy a surfing lesson. And mm -hmm. it's those people you got to go to. And that gets very, very specific. I've gone both ways, sort of diving mm -hmm. into new markets saying, okay, I want to get away from the AppSumo world. And then also going back in and be like, no, this is the core people who have purchase intent. They're running agencies, running businesses. They're running, the, they're operators of their own businesses. They're entrepreneurs. This is the corest, best group of people I could ever sell to. Do you, do you think that you have to make a decision? Like you feel like there has to be the way that to go or or that our experimentation is like the natural part of the process and you will continue doing that when you look for diversified ways of uh, acquiring customers and diversified um, niches that you go after? There's just so many options here, right? You could let data decide, uh -huh. but then by doing that, you're missing yourself. You're missing your own cognition, your own uniqueness, your own brand, your own voice. But then you could go the other way too and be like, I'm going to do me uh, and I'm going to do it the meest me. I, I'm going to be the meest me I can be. Or, you know, I, I always tell people be the usd you, you can be, yes. uh, which doesn't mean being yourself. It means being like a heightened version. Have you defined yourself and your position in that market? How you feel about yourself? I don't think yet because i've had so many i've had recently a lot of duds too like like big projects that i thought were absolutely going to smash i thought uh -huh. i thought i was going the right way it's weird i say you know i crossed two hundred thousand dollars of revenue it looks like a whole huge success but within that big success there's also lots of failures <laughs> i probably failed more times then I've succeeded. I, I think that's a mantra of every successful entrepreneur. I mean, honestly, the, there is not, not many people that, uh, you know, just pick one thing and smash at it till the end of the world. What other avenues of um, audience finding and creating revenue you've, do you explore or you would hope for? Is it social media and activity there that drives you, your traffic or maybe even paid advertising you're ever thinking about? So I've done... A lot of different things like I've just tried to be really useful um, for example for for SEO I noticed that I myself will if I ever want to know about a, a Google sheet formula more I'll always Google it I mean for last mm -hmm. 10 years I would just Google Google sheet formula and then the the word and everybody's thinking like okay let me just make one piece of content to like rank on there but what I did is I made bettersheets.co slash formulas, which is a directory of all the formulas. It shows use cases, external blogs, uh, links to Google Doc helps. So it's the like perfect best resource for every single formula instead of like creating one piece of content that's going to rank in the top 10 to 20. I said, let me make it re resourceful and useful for everyone for every formula. So I did a little zig when everyone's zagging. You mentioned something really interesting is that um, in the last 10 years, you obviously went to Google if you had a question, but that's changing, isn't it? 
uh, now you can actually <laughs> there are there are tools you can ask about the formula or calculation or whatever else and it will provide you with an answer are you worried about it at all that that, that google or better sheets won't be the the source of information that ChatGPT can be? So ChatGPT, I actually built also, which is Ask Sheets Anything. It's inside of Google Sheets. You can ask uh, Sheets Anything. It's AI inside of Sheets. Um, so I built that because I, I've i been doing tests and I've asked ChatGPT like, to help code some app script or about mm-hmm. a formula. I, you know, For about a month, I thought, oh my God, just... ChatGPT is going to help me write a lot more content about each formula. But then as I started like seeing the very easy, the, the shorter prompts and the short things that people were like, tell me about this, tell me about that, or what uses is, th- is this formula? The answers were much, much more wrong than I ever expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also not as deep as I expected. I thought that like, again, this is sort of an easy thing to think is you think, okay, I'm asking this massive piece of data, this tiny little thing, and I want a lot of data about this tiny little thing, and it's going to get it right. It's going to know what to get. But it's not right. It's it's a large language model, which is just trying to guess the next word, but trying to get guess the next word doesn't mean it knows what it's talking about. And so it was hallucinating a lot. And the more I asked it about formulas the more and more it just complete like went off the rails. I was n- not in any like horrible, like I'm we're going to kill all humanity kind of thing. And not, not that way. I just meant like it would just start saying things that I was like, oh, this is just clearly wrong. And if you're trying to learn about Google Sheets and you're doing this deep, deep questions, oh, this is just wrong. And also, also just not helpful. I mean, you're going to try to do this and then it's not going to work. <laughs> you're not going to trust it, right? So you're not going to come back for another answer because you're not going to trust it anymore. Right. So um, so two things that I did. One thing, uh, two things that I did or I'm working on now around the AI world is one, uh, I created Asa, which is the AI you can ask inside of a Google Sheet. But two, on the back end of that and trying to... Uh, something that's like sort of just swirling around in my head that I'm trying to work on is how do people learn while they're trying to work? So one thing is like a course will teach you one thing, but it'll take three to four hours of this course. But what I really want to build better sheets as is a complete package that you just use to make yourself better at Google sheets while you work. So how do people learn? Like what are the, the reps that people will actually go through? And so part of ASA and part of using AI is going to be as more of a, uh, not to tell you the information, but to help you ease the learning curve of what you want to know. That's cool. It makes sense, um, considering that people learn best while they do things. So I think, I, I guess the, the only question is how well you're able to connect the right answer to the question that they're facing in the middle of their work, right? Because if, you're, if with, an, with help of an AI, you can, you can nail that then that's that's a fantastic product but i think you have actually um like you have multiple uh sources of advantage and uh, one of course is your huge knowledge in the subject but another one is the video content and your face and i don't know how you look at it but i see that especially now in the age of ai where for, 
for now at least, the, the video part of the content, it's still not believable. It's still not being able to, 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 to be faked uh, convincingly. Um, I think your face and your personal brand helps you like create this trust that, okay, I'm not going to go to AI or Google, I'm going to you. Um, do you feel like this is an asset for you in any way? Um, because I want to be asynchronous and autonomous, it doesn't feel like an asset. It feels like a liability. Oh. Because whenever I try to like do, if I do a workshop, which is sort of the nth, next level of, okay, there's videos, but like, let's just get on a live call. Um, it's very hard to figure out the good, the right pricing for one-on-one -on -one consultation for, um, workshops for live cohort courses it's it's an art it's not a science so it's not asynchronous anymore mm -hmm. yeah and it's not asynchronous but it's also like i will never know if someone wants that and can pay 20 dollars. i'll be really happy if, if if they can fill that spot that hour that i'm already available for and they're only going to pay 20 dollars. i'll take it right mm -hmm. because i'm going to be spending that hour if it's if somebody's looking for five hours and they want to spend $1,500, good, great, spend that, right? There's a little bit of this knowledge out there, like ProfitWell has tried to do this with SaaS pricing. There's sort of a lot of this, but like I think AI is going to make this much, much easier. In terms of pricing, yeah. Pricing things at what people can spend. Because you pricing something is different than somebody spending money on it. Because I understand pricing is the is a huge problem for any entrepreneur um and, and and i guess the especially if you're trying to be asynchronous and and work without your face and your presence being needed then of course you you should overprice your time and your hour that you spend versus the video or the digital content that you're providing right it's it's not that asynchronous doesn't necessarily mean that i'll never be synchronous it's it's not synchronous or asynchronous asynchronous means like i'm available I work well over 40 hours a week on better, even on off weeks. Like I'm thinking about better sheets all the time. And the time that I put into something though, is not commiserate with the value that he immediately comes back with. I created this app script, which I had, take, had taken me about seven years to figure out, but I made, I coded in about 20 minutes. It was syncing two tabs, how to create information on two tabs and they're completely synced no matter which tab you add to it um it took me like 20 minutes literally at midnight i woke up and i was like i can do this and i typed up the code in 20 minutes and it works and i was like i've been trying to do this for seven years you know hearing you talk about it um you're really passionate about it that that's cool but i specifically remember i listened to one of your interviews and you said that uh, passion is for preachers right that you that, that you sort of that you don't know what you like or what you love you love what you know so now yeah. it, it seems to me like you have this uh, this passion for the thing because you know so much about it and you're so much in it how do you sort of um balance it how do you balance the passion not to get sort of burned out and turn the passion into something that, oh now i have to do another sheet and i don't want to do it anymore we don't really know how long art takes to make uh, we only know art as the as the shipped product that's in front of us. We don't know the torturous life behind the artist most of the time. Um, and maybe I, I, I do think of it more of as an art now than a science. Mm. And, and that might help me. Like there, there are just so many projects I have, so many ideas that I have. I have 
kept, you know, lists and lists and lists of ideas that I've had, little like names of videos that I want to do. But at the same exact time, from me outward is one thing, whereas this is a, a, a real business and a real business that other people will pay money for is not purely art. There is a business to it. And so I do spend a lot of time talking to users, uh, members, members, free members, uh, visitors, and non-visitors, people who don't know me at all, right? I'll, I spend a lot of time with people. Meaning, but but that time isn't like on a call, right? It's mm -hmm. answering emails, it's going to forums, uh, it's finding people who are having these problems or problematic. There's, you know, Twitter work, Twitter words. You can do a Twitter search for of like, I hate this in Google Sheets. You can find Stack Overflow. You can find problems on Reddit. Uh, you can also ask your friends and family. You know, if, if you're working on something that's very pervasive, you can just sort of put out there on social media. Who knows someone who's struggling with X? Um, I think I go above and beyond just talking to people, again, through email, in forums. Um, and early on, that was where I got a lot of questions and I just made a video very quickly. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. And I think that balance of creative things that I want to do, that I want to show people, here's something really interesting you can do in Sheets, and the combination of, hey, I'm actually solving your one particular problem. I think that is the balance and keeps me balanced. That's cool. So how important it is to be sort of um, personal to the members of your community. You're saying that you're creating like one-on-one -on -one videos and you created 500 of them and you're responding to single problems and single emails. Do you see this as a big driver of, uh, of your brand and your revenue? Yeah, I mean, you can see this too. If you go to the AppSumo uh, sales page, there's reviews. And literally, at least a couple of people are like, oh, Andrew solved this one problem. So that's why I bought it. Like, that that means that that person didn't even become a member until after I had solved their problem. Mm -hmm. Like, and maybe it is a bit of luck that Google Sheets is so pervasive that there are 2 billion people. So that you don't need 2 billion people to make a business, especially a business that's going to make anywhere between, you know, 50K to 300K a year, you don't need 2 billion buyers. I like this philosophy that I think you're, 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 you're an embodiment of, which is like, do the things that don't scale. So even mm -hmm. helping one person get in the long run, translate into more revenue and more purchases, even through the, 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 the uh, social proof that it creates, right? Sure. But I mean, I had a very clear, um, personal reason for making the videos that I made. One, well, one reason I made the videos was because they were easy to make. I knew that I had already worked with Google Sheets professionally for five years. I was the Google Sheets guy at an office. And I knew like I could get a job and I could do Google Sheets. I didn't know really how the information transfer would work. I didn't know what questions people had. I had a few. I had mm -hmm. some idea, right? Because I'd been doing it for five years. But in the process of me in the first six months, year, two years, and even now of answering people's questions was very personal to one, I want to know what your problem is. You you say social proof, but also in addition to that, uh, it's content. You'll, you'll see lots of videos are me answering a question of someone. So yes, it's social proof of like, hey, it's, 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 
public that I'm answering questions, mm -hmm. but it's also a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You ask a question, I answer that question publicly. Someone says, oh, he, I, I don't even care what that answer is. I, I see that he's answer, answering questions. I'm going to ask a question. So that's another piece of content. And oh, and also I was super insecure early on. Oh my God. I didn't know what I should make a course on. So the Better Sheets wasn't a course. Yeah. Even though I was selling it sort of as a course, it didn't have a through line. It wasn't like, oh, he, learn this thing. I I literally didn't know what people wanted to know. So only after like 200 videos did I start putting the pieces together. And I was like, oh, a year and a half into it, I was like, here's five course ideas. That was after 200 videos. That was after hearing all of these things that I put the pieces together. And even then I got it wrong. It was like, oh, I had to go another six months to figure out, oh, this is the one thread people want. And then another six months, oh, this is another thread. Oh. Yeah, I was talking recently with uh, one video maker and YouTuber, and he has said a thing that I really, really think fits here very well. He said, if you have an idea, go around the sound ones. You know, like do the 12 month, even if it doesn't work, even if if you like it, go around the sound ones and, and see what, as, as you say, it takes a year at 200 videos or even more sometimes to, to start seeing the patterns come out yeah. and, and, and be able to, to, to clear it. But do you have, you mentioned content and I have a question regarding, do you have some sort of system or plan for content creation? You mentioned that you're doing research on Reddit and Twitter and so on. And, and, and I see that you're really prolific, both in video, but also on Twitter. You are tweeting a lot. Do you have some automations and systems that, that you follow in order to do it? I sort of go on these these 30-day retreats uh, where I focus on one thing. Like about a year ago, June and July of 2022, I'm like, I should take YouTube more serious because... Up until then, I was just sort of pulling one out of every 10 videos and putting it on YouTube yeah. very sporadically, spastically. And I was like, oh, I feel like YouTube is just the place where people should find me and then become a member. And uh, so I made a video a day for 30 days and it ended up wow. being 60 days. Um, one video every single day, seven days a week. Um, but then by doing that for 30 days and then it ended up being 60 days, that's a muscle that I built up and it was only a, it, it was another like six months or so until I figured out, oh, I can get the same results by only releasing three videos a week instead of seven. And so in December, so about five months ago, I started releasing three videos a week and especially yeah. on YouTube, you can schedule ahead. So the month of March, it, it took me then... Okay, I, I got the idea. I'm going to make three videos a week, uh, schedule them, release them. But it was only in February that I actually have a month of content already scheduled. So I just scheduled that all by mm -hmm. hand and said, okay, I have a month of content. March 1st, I had all every week covered in March. Is YouTube where you see a future for Better Sheets and your, your own promotion the biggest uh, platform for you? Um, no, because unfortunately, YouTube is not purchase intent. People Man. are searching for a, an answer to their problem, and that's all they want. They want the solution. They don't, they're not there to buy. Whereas something like Udemy, much more purchase intent. Mm -hmm. uh, people are buying courses, they want to buy courses. 
I mean, it's very, very top of the funnel on YouTube. And I even made a mistake in um, March as well because I had extra time because I was like, oh, my YouTube thing is done. I'm, I'm, I don't have to touch it for a month. I switched my focus over to TikTok and I was like, I'm going to figure out in these 30 days, I'm going to figure out the short, short form content. Um, and that I made a huge mistake on because it's incredibly top of the funnel. It, it's almost funnel non-existent. You have to try things. You have to try things. If you didn't try, you would have wondered. Yeah. And then in, uh, it was only in November, I think of last year that I got serious about SEO, but only in end of February and into March did it really start, did I really start seeing the results? So I was like, oh, okay, I'll switch back to SEO because SEO is much more purchase intent and searchable than uh, video on YouTube and TikTok. If you have the right keyword. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. All right. Um, maybe let's do a little break uh, for my favorite, uh, like to end things to my, my favorite part, which is the quick fire round, you know, like a couple questions, yeah. quick, quick answers, uh, and gets, gets, um, reveal some things sometimes. Have at it. I already see one question that I'll have to adjust a little. Okay. Let's do this. Um, are you a team player or lone wolf? I wish I was a team player. I, I'm so lone wolf, it's not even funny. Take risks or carefully calculate? I mean, it's hard to take risks, honestly. I wish I took more risks, I, but I can't calculate it. It's, I don't know, it's, it's um, I guess everything I do is risky now. Okay. Mobile or desktop? Desktop all the way. More, more desktop t times three. Like, I have an extra screen. I wish I had two, two external screens. Uh, who inspires you most? Who inspires me? Like the actual work I do? Anything. Oh, this is so hard. Absolutely adore Salvador Dali. Okay. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Professional poker player or Magic the Gathering. I, I mean, if I if, if I had all the money in the world and I didn't have to, if I, if I didn't have to work another day in my life, I'd probably just play Magic the Gathering. What is an underappreciated tool? that you couldn't live without that is not spreadsheets or Excel? Can it be Google related? Yeah. Because I mean, Gmail, I just live in my Gmail. Fair. Um, what's your productivity life hack? My, my productivity life hack is to play. I think if you had more play, more experimentation, and not just experimentation, but playfulness, I think most people would be more productive. For an example, uh, I have... I regularly do a bad ideas brainstorming session and I do this just myself where I think of what is it that I want to do, but I think of like, what's the worst thing that I can do or what's the bad version of this. And a hundred percent of the time, this turns out to be a game changer of an idea. It, it, it becomes part of my business and part of my like life that I could not do without later on. For instance, um, I was having difficulties, not not difficulty selling sheets, but when I was selling sheets, uh, templates and sheets, there was sort of this weird problem of copying. And I ended up making the OnlyFans for Google Sheets, which is only sheets, because I was like, what is like the work? What What is the thing that you couldn't, can't do with sheets is like protect the asset. Mm -hmm. You can't add a buyer individually when they buy. You only can set this link to anyone can access it. So I was like, wait, I think you can 
give access to one person. And I ended up finding that out in AppScript and then creating only sheets. Um, and then also the podcast that I just started doing, which is just on YouTube called Sheet Talking, was based on like, what if I could never show another spreadsheet? What if I just like was, and it also couldn't be me telling you what to do. Like what kind of content could I create and help like do to help you work in, in, in spreadsheets better? Like without a spreadsheet, without me like just telling you like, oh, it's a conversation about a spreadsheet with someone else. Um, and like sort of more aspirational ideas and theoretical and that was like a totally bad idea, right? Because it's not showing a spreadsheet. It's not a tutorial. It's just me talking with people about spreadsheets. It's called sheet talk. Well, if that's not fun, I don't know what is. Okay, thank you. Then lastly, then um, you mentioned that you're up for doing the better sheets for even seven years more. Do you have any goals related to that? Yeah, God, like just being able to support myself is one thing. I think being able to support I now have a, a small family, so being able to support that family consistently, but also save and, and look towards the future. Now, this seven years idea of running better sheets for another seven years didn't actually come to existence with until within the last two years, and my son is now two years old. Mm -hmm. So like you can see that like the the life change and the goals have changed dramatically. I've seeing a much longer horizon instead of thinking how am I going to make my revenue next month or this month I'm now thinking on multiple uh, on multiple planes like sure I want to how do I make a thousand dollars in the next three days but also how do I make ten thousand dollars this month but also how do I make two hundred thousand dollars in the next 12 months and then continue how do I make a million dollars within you know 10 years how do I how can I, sh so this is not a financial goal, but how can I show my son what it means to work in this sort of new world of information, information technology and software? My dad had a shop. He owned his own shop. He was a mold maker. I went with him to work. I sat, I stood there at 12 years old and learned how to be a machinist. I learned AutoCAD along with my dad. Like there were some physical things and he made physical objects. But like in the next 10 to 20 years, what does work look like? What? Yeah. How can I prepare my son for the future where work just doesn't look like what work has looked like in the last 40 years? Those are all questions that like I'm thinking on a very different time horizon now. Yeah, having a child changes perspective and gives you some, some new horizons. All right, then, then I, that's what I wish. I wish it a million dollars, but not even in 10 years. I wish in five I think it's definitely achievable. Uh, I mean, Vettersheet is on the on the rise and you're still yeah. having fun with it. So that that sounds awesome that it's not like a chore, it's not like a task. It's an actual fun thing to do. So I wish yeah. it continues for you and I thank you very much for, for your time today. Thank you. It's been awesome. It's been fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. We are just getting started, but the feedback so far has been really encouraging. If you want to support us, please leave a review wherever you're watching or listening and I hope to catch you in the next one. Cheers! <laughs>